Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about proof assistance. We're in Season 3 of the podcast. It's Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas and, uh, you know, a good winter time here. And um, we are talking about proof assistance. And a proof assistant is a software program that helps you prove theorems about whatever domain that you are interested in. So, uh, you know, people prove theorems in mathematics, all different branches of mathematics. Um, And computer scientists are also pretty interested in these tools because in computer science, we have a lot of reason to want to make sure things are absolutely correct. Mathematicians have, you know, interest in this too, but um, apparently not to quite the fanatical level that computer scientists generally have. Um, We're like, you know, fearful Cartesians. We want to make sure there's no evil demons messing with uh, our software. So, um, and there's a lot of good cases, scenarios where you really, really need to make sure that software is absolutely correct, at least according to some specification. So we're going to survey different proof assistants out there, and we're going to start with Koch. Koch is one of the most prominent proof assistants. It's been developed for several decades now, from at least the 90s, I think, is when we were going to trace it back to, um, in France. And... Uh, I want to focus on some of the pragmatics of Koch. The the theory, you know, it's a it's a but just to mention the theory, it's a typed lambda calculus with data types built in and conductive types built in as well. Uh, and you know, so as a user of one of these tools, you do need to be aware of the theory a bit. But we're going to focus more on kind of the pragmatics, like what is using Koch like, and um, you know, what are some of the sort of design points for you know the Koch tool. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, you know, so you can, uh, you know, you use Calc, you basically you edit files, Calc source files, and um, there's several different editors you can use for this. There's one that um, the Calc team produces called Calc IDE, and it's pretty nice, sort of simple windowing setup where you can see information about your proof um, that you're working on. And, uh, or you can use Emacs, a lot of people like to use Emacs. Um, there's a, a Emacs mode called, actually called Proof General that supposedly uh, lets you interface with a bunch of different provers. I actually don't really know what the status is of other provers, but it, it does work for Calc for sure. Um, and, uh, oh golly, driving problems, holy cow. Sorry, I just had some guy swerving in my lane, apparently not aware that that's a turn lane. Okay, um, anyway. Uh, so you um, you edit your Cox source file, and so what's in that Cox source file? How how does like what's sort of the setup of Cox? Well, basically, there's like this underlying lambda calculus, this, but it's kind of primitive. And the idea with Cox is to try to make it easier to create proofs and programs. Although mostly the, the part that you use generally, you're trying to make it easier to create your proofs. Um, we have the curry howard isomorphism in full effect here in Calk. So our proofs are just pure functional programs with, you know, outrageously fancy types. Uh, and so, but in principle, you can sit there and write a program, write a proof in the low level um, language of sort of Calk's type theory. Uh, and th- yeah, as I said, the idea is Calk is trying to give you some higher level tools for assembling these proofs. Because when you're creating things in a some low level typed lambda calculus 
it is kind of like an assembly language, sort of. I mean, it's, it's very high level, it's very expressive, but there's a lot of details to keep track of and things have to fit together. So I guess assembly language is not, I mean, that's just like the, <laughs> I guess that's just like a knee-jerk computer science analogy. It's not really a great analogy, though. It's because, um, you know, assembly language, like you just write all this gobbledygook and it, who knows what it's going to do, right? But in type theory, the problem is just writing anything at all, like the, the, the terms you want to write down are very intricate. Um, there's a lot of constraints that the different um, constructs you're using impose, and getting those all to work out correctly and to do what you you know end up actually doing what you want is really difficult. And so, Calk is trying to provide higher level tools for this. And one of these tools is there is so there's this core type theoretic language that you could write directly in, but it's more common, certainly for proofs, to write in a different language called LTAC. Um, and this is a language that's basically, it's, it's like a language that tells Calk to try to build your complicated low-level type theoretic term in certain ways. It's like, could you please, you know, put a lambda abstraction here and call the variables this? Could you treat, please kick off a recur recursion for me that has to be, you know, terminating all, all the programs you write or proofs you write in Calk are required to be terminating, structurally terminating. Uh, and so in LTAC, you're, and people call this sort of like video game proving because you sit there and you, when you start writing a proof using LTAC, it sort of shows you, okay, here's what you're trying to prove and here's some assumptions you have currently in scope. That's the context, so-called context. And you can issue these LTAC commands. It's like, do this, do that, did 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 You know, you could, I mean, for silly ones, you'd be like, oh, I don't need that assumption. You can type clear. If, like, say your assumption is named H, you can say clear H and hit return. And, I mean, well, if you're doing this in the, in the <laughs> you don't actually hit return. I guess maybe you can hit return in the Emacs mode, but you put clear H and put a period, and then you tell the Emacs mode to evaluate that, and it will change your current goal state. The, in that case, it will just clear out that assumption out of your context, and your goal formula, what you're try, supposed to try to prove, remains unchanged. So you sit there and you issue these little commands. It's kind of like sitting there at the sh at a terminal, like firing off these little commands to do this, do that, like in a Unix or whatever terminal. Uh, so um, yeah, so you it's sort of like that's why they call it video game proving. You're just kind of like issuing these little commands, changing your goal state, and at the end. When your goal eventually, when, and when you manage to prove a goal, then that goal state, you know, just kind of resolves. Um, sometimes when you're issuing one of these little commands, they may create multiple goals because, like, say you're doing a proof by induction. Well, there'd be a step and a base case. And so you need to handle each of those. So you kind of do did, 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 video game, video game, video game, and you handle the first one, and it's like blah, 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 blah. So you handle the second one, and then all of a sudden there are no goals left at all. And great, and you can type QED. And or there's other ways you can tell Clock you're done with your proof, and then it's done and you proved it. Now, what's interesting is when it's done, so you issue all these little funny little commands to, but the commands all have a semantics as far as building this underlying type lambda calculus term that's like a lambda x, lambda y, do this, do that, invoke this recursion, you know, recursor to actually kick off a recursion and do all this kind of thing. Um, and so when you're done with your LTAC script, your LTAC script, um, Clock is then going to actually assemble, or actually, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to be too precise about the timing, I don't really know, but at some point in there, it assembles this low-level Lambda term, and it actually type checks it. So maybe the type checking part happens at the end, because you can, there's certain kinds of errors that only get flagged kind of at the end, 
as I recall, there are things like if your recursion is not well founded, you can get dinged by that sort of at the very end of your your LTAC script, which is actually kind of a usability problem. You could be going badly awry and going on and on and on in your LTAC script, and only at the end would you be warrant would you be told, "Whoops, sorry, that was not a legal you know recursion you did there." You, that's all this stuff's about. Okay, so so that's there's LTAC, there's this um, this low level lambda calculus. And there's also like oodles of sort of scaffolding and other kinds of commands on top of all this. So there are, there's a module system. It's actually similar to the ML module system, which we talked about some time ago in the chapter on module systems. So if you remember that, it's a, the ML module system is pretty much the granddaddy, like most bespoke deluxe module system that's out there. And so Koch has this, and that was actually added since. I first started using Calk, and I sort of returned to it recently, and I was a, rather stunned to see that that was there, because that's a very complicated piece of machinery to throw on top of something that's already really quite complicated. The underlying lambda calculus is pretty complicated. Then we have LTAC, which is also very complicated. <laughs> um, and then we have things like there's a module system. Separately, and I think, I think we can all say a little, you know, feel a little bit bad, but it's separate from a section system. The section system is in the Koch world. Section means one thing. Goodness, if you're in Haskell, it means something totally different. But in Koch, a section is where you basically start off and say, I want to use, I want to declare a bunch of variables. And then all, I want to just write a bunch of code and proofs and stuff that are all like in basically going to be taking in those variables. You know, they're going to use those, bind those variables as inputs, but I don't want to write them again and again. So, like, I don't want to say, oh, for all A that's a type, then blah, 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 blah. And another for all A that's a type, for all A that's a type. You just start a section. You say, I've got A that's a type. And that's, you say, I forget what you say. I think you say variable. And, um, and then that variable is going to be bound uh, in all the definitions you write in the section. And we saw that some module systems, like notably Agda's, provides you this kind of way to parameterize things with, like, you have a module that's parameterized by some things. Uh, I mean, certainly the ML module system lets you do that. So it's a little sad that here that cap capability is um, is actually separate from the module system. That's like another thing. And I presume that what happened, because his sections have been around for a long time, I presume what happened is at some point somebody girded up their loins and was like, all right, let's add this complicated module system on top of all this. And someone else was just like, well, you know, for backward compatibility or other, we, we should keep the section mechanism there. Um, you know, so that's, that's a little bit. So the tool is complicated. Let's talk about some other things. Pragmatics. Like when you want to learn Calk, if you go to the web webpage, there's documentation. Now, I am sorry to say, I have some bones to pick with the documentation. The documentation is very useful in being quite comprehensive. It's also useful in having a number of examples sprinkled through. But it is not terribly useful in really being centered around an enormously long and elaborate BNF grammar broken into little pieces all throughout the manual that tells you like, well, if you want to use this command, then the syntax is this. And then it gives you this BNF syntax that references all these other syntactic categories found in other parts of the manual. And it's hyperlinked, so you can click on them and jump to them and everything. But this is really not a fun way to figure out how to use something, right? I mean, manuals, like reference manuals for languages, if you had to learn how to program in Java by just looking at a context-free grammar for Java with some explanations, you'd probably go crazy, right? It'd be horrible. 
So examples, which laudably the cock manual does have quite a few of, but um, just give it the BNF grammar kind of mindset is really not helpful. And so I think that that's a bit of a mistake there. Um, I'm, I've just reached my destination, which is back home, where we have a Santa in a sleigh, inflatable, of course, and lit because it's night um, with some reindeer and stuff. So um, we live in the Midwest where like light displays are pretty big. and We don't have a big one, but there are some big ones. Um, anyway, one last thing I wanted to say, back to this LTAC thing. For a long time, I... I mean, LTAC, using LTAC is absolutely essential for, for productivity in Coq. And some people like Adam Chabala, who has lots of really helpful Coq resources, um, have developed, you know, very, you know, fancy and powerful ways of using LTAC. Uh, but um, the, I, I, when I first thought, it was kind of like, but we were having basically one really complicated language designed to help you write expressions in another really complicated language. This just sounds horrible. Why would you do that? Well, you do it. I mean, it, it makes sense to do it, but um, the the point I want I realized as I was using Clark recently is that when you sit there and you see your context, you see your, your goal state and everything, you're getting a view of your program. And the LTAC language lets you kind of explore these views and kind of elaborate them in a way that in Sedil we have an Emacs mode where you, you write, just write down your term, but then you can explore and see all kinds of information, like all kinds of typing information, what's going on in each and every little sub-expression. And the LTAC is basically kind of letting you do that too, except it's not a, um, it's not letting you browse things after the fact. It's kind of like as you write them, or you can step through your proof and see how the goal state evolves piece at a time. Um, so we'll come back to this. This is a really important point to me. and something I'm thinking a lot about is like, how do you interface with so much information that is so complicated? And basically, actually, LTAC is kind of giving you a way to interface with that to sort of, because you can't see every goal state of every sub-expression of your program all at once. It's much too much information. But LTAC lets you step through it and work on it a little bit at a time. And that's what we try to do in our Sedil mode as well. Um, but in LTAC, you kind of see it in the order in which somebody worked on it. Whereas like, what I wanted to see, and actually David Christensen in his little typer book, they have an implementation that does the same thing. You write an ex expression down, and you get to view all kinds of information all through that expression as you wish. Um, so anyway, in return to this, it's a really, I think, profound point that we need to explore more in developing better proof assistance. Okay, um, thanks for listening. There's a lot to say about Clark. I would really probably like to come back and talk a little bit more about it. Um, so I did cover a bunch of the main points I was hoping to make, but, um, we're definitely going to try to survey a bunch of other tools as well. Okay. Thanks for listening. Hope you're well wherever you are and wishing you a happy new year that's coming up pretty soon. Okay.